Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. of the Kingdom Says Podcast. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams, and joining me today are my two usual co-hosts. First off, we got Kyle Henning. Kyle, how are you doing? Well, I have a little more free time on my hands now, so that's good. Um, and there's been all kinds of developments and stuff we can grab popcorn for for the last couple of 48 hours between uh, <clears throat> that Monday night game and uh, all the waiver wire free agency news and the Jokic brothers providing entertainment for the time being. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Right on. And then also a guy who's got a little more free time now and is back after a, a little hiatus moving in. Uh, we got Arrowhead Tom. Tom, how are you doing? Whew. You know, they say winning fixes everything. And uh, I don't feel like winning has fixed anything lately. So um, yeah, man, it's uh, like, like you said, we just got moved into a new place and, been a busy couple couple weeks and just uh out here living life man but still still trying to keep up and excited to be back and talk about football and put life on on pause for a minute so let's get into it yeah let's definitely get into it unfortunately there's not really happier news to talk about i mean we are on a two you know two game win streak the chiefs are but it doesn't feel like that around the kingdom it it still feels kind of kind of eerie um, tells you where the expectations are for this roster and this franchise very high very high expectations for uh you know a roster and a franchise that's been to three straight afc championship games two straight super bowls and now this team now in this year are uh, fighting for a playoff spot essentially at this point um but the afc the afc in general was wide open still so um there was some crazy the afc was the drunk NFL. on sunday in case anybody wasn't paying yeah. attention <laughs> It was junk all over the place. No one, no one is safe in the AFC. The Broncos absolutely housed the Cowboys, like, as yeah. we all predicted. Yeah, just, each of us. Yeah, yeah. Everybody had that one on their bingo card. Yep. Just yeah. like everybody also had the Jaguars thoroughly dominating exactly. the, Bill. the Bills, but, dropping nine to six from the Jaguars. It's just mm -hmm. there was a lot. But of hey, guess what? Josh Allen whooped Josh Allen's behind all over the field. Now Josh you figure Allen out which one was supposed game. to do that yeah. and which one did. Josh Allen didn't really dominated Josh Allen that game. Yeah, Josh but, Allen on Josh Allen violence. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of craziness in the NFL, and it wasn't really uh, you know too different in the Chiefs Packers game. Um, it was just kind of a snooze fest, honestly, and uh, it was fun to watch the defense do do some good things. Uh, the offense is still, you know, has yet to get off the sink. bus. Yeah, yeah, still, still not there. Um, but what are you guys' real takeaways from from the game in general? Tommy Townsend may have had may have been the MVP on Sunday, and by may I mean very much needs some credit for. Um, now, you have to keep it in context. But if there's one person who I said 
did everything I, I expected, right? Exceeded expectations entirely across the board. Tommy Townsend. How can there you might say be some that? other people who who did better than you know? There there were some other flashes, but I'm just curious. I'm just curious. You you. I don't know that you can say that since you expect Frank Clark to be literally just a puddle on the on the sidewalk. And according to now, grain of salt, PFF played his best game of his career against the Packers. That Frank Clark has looked better. My expectations for Frank Clark, as we said before the show, is that aren't he would play like an eighteen million dollar player, Are you and he's his playing like a ten million dollar player. So yeah. maybe there's time to turn it around and. And he he can make up that other eight million dollars in, in performance, but so far, oh no, I'm just game. curious because you said he, yeah. nobody exceeded your expectations, and I and I've listened to you on this podcast, and your expectations for Frank are like non-existent. So like, oh no, they're they're very high. <laughs> my my position on Frank is just that he complete he consistently disappoints me, which you would think that at this point <laughs> in my life, I would be used to, but I am naive and hopeless and. Uh, still have expectations for positive well, things to happen. If you still have expectations for him, he's done a great job the last two weeks because he looks more like the player we expected when we paid and what we gave up for him. Now, again, grain of salt with the offense and the quarterbacks and the yada, yada, yada. But that's still a, supposedly a decent Packers offensive line, and it didn't look like it on Sunday. Yeah. Yes. And, you so know, it was... that might be in part to uh... – Having a different quarterback in the pocket than uh, than they might be you know mm-hmm. used to a lot of the time. If, a guy who's a little more told, hesitant back there. I have a question. If you'd have told anybody even two weeks ago that this game between the Chiefs and Packers ends thirteen to seven, who says you're on crack? Everybody. Everybody. Probably. But I mean, the NFL has to be disappointed in what was supposed to be a premier matchup. And also, I think we're not. Gonna, know, yeah. I think if you it, were to tell someone two weeks ago that that matchup would feature Jordan Love as the the starting quarterback for the Packers, be a, mm-hmm. a similar. Well, some people are operating, under, operating operating under the impression that a certain quarterback was not just immunized, but was actually vaccinated. So there's that. <laughs> let's, let's not yeah, get into all that. It's a whole other podcast. Around, I think around. I think Mr. Rogan's got that one covered. So Dr. Rogan, um, yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say this, and this is not a Packers podcast, and this is the first time, like since he was a college prospect, that I've watched Jordan Love play football. And all I can say is, he ain't it, Chief. Like the Packers, and you, that pick at the time was like highly scrutinized, controversial, yeah. and now you look at it and you go, whew. And, and here's the thing. It's one game, and you go, oh, it could be bad. You know, Brett Favre had a bad – listen, it's it's a different time. Do you guys remember Justin Herbert's first game? Because I remember Justin Herbert's first game. And, and you can get into all these things. It's like, do you pass the eye check, right, like the eye test? Jordan Love, who did not pass the eye test. And so did the defense look really good? Yes. And I don't want to take everything away from them, but Jordan Love looked like an absolute disaster out there. You would have okay. thought – that that was a guy who was drafted in the fifth round, not the first round. I, I get that. Now I'm going to do the caveat thing because there's pieces to this. When you give Steve Spagnuolo a week to get ready for somebody, especially a rookie or a young guy, and and we saw it with the way he approached his game plan. He basically said, here's the kitchen sink. Figure it out. <laughs> um, Justin Herbert, they had – 30 seconds to get ready for same thing that happened with Gardner Minshew with the Jaguars a couple years ago. And like, it's a little different when you get ready for one guy all week and then you get another. 
and we've talked about that before. Now, they got ready for Jordan Love. They got ready for this offense to be the the iteration of the offense that the Packers have. Now, there's no, there's almost literally no tape on it. They had seven snaps that were in the NFL that counted during an actual game that wasn't a preseason game before entering this game. However, Spags did exactly what I expected Spags to do, and it worked. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, your offensive line is still supposed Pretty decent, supposedly. Um, I I still think they're better than they showed on Sunday. I think they got a little bit of, like Garrett said, they're not comfortable with the guy behind them making the adjustments, which helps a lot of things. Aaron Rodgers covers up a lot of things, guys. It's almost like he's really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, not only just from like a physical standpoint, but also like calling out protections and all of right. that stuff and making yeah. adjustments. He's good at football. And, yeah. Now, something that, that said, Jordan Love was not tasked with. That said, Jordan Love got out of a couple sacks <clears> that I don't know that A Rod gets out of. I also don't know that they're bringing the same amount of pressure at Aaron Rodgers that they brought Jordan Love. So there's some trade-offs here. You kind of this goes back to you play what's in front of you. Um, But for me, the bright side of this and the immediate bright side was Melvin Ingram looked like Melvin Ingram really fast in this uh, in this defense and on that line. And with Chris Jones inside and Melvin and Frank on the outside. Derek Naughty came back to life. Jaron Reed came back to life. Turk Wharton played well again. Like that defensive line had themselves a day. They were getting pressure with four. And I know Jordan Love held the ball a couple of times longer. He also was getting pressured under two and a half seconds, which is the standard by which you measure pressures, especially with rushing four in the NFL. He they got pressure with four, which is something we haven't said in what, two years? Honestly, and something that we haven't really said this season, which we kind of talked about, which was refreshing to see from Spags, is that it looked like the mm-hmm. defense was prepared for their opponent. Like they had an actual game plan and they knew what they were doing and they had, you know, a, an attack strategy and they executed it. So, I mean, did, did you see anybody out of position with like they didn't know what the hell the play call was? Did you see anybody? Uh, like, did did I, you see them making stupidly insane late substitutions and guys running or like having to run definitely across? Not, the definitely not. Definitely not nearly the as bad. There were still a couple times when the communication. I, there were guys just kind of talking around, you know, before the snap. Um, but definitely like a way far improvement from anything else we've seen this season. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. those are and and this is the other thing. And I and Andy mentioned in his press conference, Legarius looked exactly like Legarius from last year. In this game, Charvarius looked like Charvarius from 18 months ago when before injury and before the other stuff. Mm-hmm. If those two corners can play at that level, this defense has a chance to do some different things. Also, the linebackers. Yeah, no doubt. And the Packers, we, we kind of talked about it in the, in the pre-show, but the Packers, you know, they definitely seemed like they were trying to kind of throw Jordan Love into the fire. Like, they were trying to win almost like a similar game plan they would use with Rodgers with Jordan Love, where, you know, they kind of were pass heavier. Uh, they kind of abandoned the run a little bit earlier on in the game. Uh, and I might, I don't know, maybe that's just the pressure of being down a score for the entire game and, you know, your defense answering so many times to kind of, you know, get some bigger chunk plays with the young quarterback. But, I don't know. It's just they. It seemed like they didn't have a a great plan for Jordan Love. The best running back for the Packers on Sunday was not Aaron Jones. Oh yeah, no, it was yeah. AJ Dillon, which I kind of expected just because, you know, big guy, harder to tackle, similar to Derrick Henry. 
uh, Nick Bolton, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have a Derrick Henry game, but he still obviously was a big, a big he factor. Didn't have the opportunities he had in the Derrick Henry game. Either. Yeah, that is another, that is another uh, talking point there. Um, the the yeah. linebacker rotation and who I was happier there. with it than I thought I was going to be, and I and I said that on Twitter when I saw originally Spags's comments. I said I'm going to wait till Sunday to see if I'm going to be really pissed off about this or not. But he did more than I thought he was going to. He did not do the thing that I was desperately afraid of him doing, which was immediately putting Hitchens directly back at the mic. And then it being the Ben Neiman show on the other, on the other linebacker Hitchens Bolton and gay were the main three linebackers snap count wise and time wise on the field. That has to happen. And it has to stay that way going forward has to, because the two young kids, you can't take them off the field anymore. That's your future at linebacker. And they're both playing well. And Willie gay we talk about Brett Veach not drafting stars and not hitting on stars. I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. Willie Gay is going to be a star on this defense. I think both him and Nick Bolton, to be honest. Mm, Bolton scares me a little because he just flat out can't cover in some areas, but I, he'll get better in that as he goes He's because he's smart enough. Yeah. And that's the thing. He is smart enough to get better in coverage just simply on knowing where the routes are going and where he's going to need to be. But he's Willie Gay has the potential to be a flat out star on this defense. I think that as much as I criticize, and we talked about this after the Titans game, as much as I criticize the Nick Bolton pick, Nick Bolton is a really good compliment to Willie Gay. Yep. So you need to use them correctly. If you mm-hmm. use Nick Bolton, let me let me rephrase that before I finish that thought. If you misuse Nick Bolton in a similar style to how you misuse Dan Sorensen, you are going to derail that young man's career by asking him to do things that he is not ready and probably not fully capable of doing. It's okay to drop Nick Bolton back into coverage as like an exotic look or like whatever, you know, like to, to ask him to do those things on occasion, but to put him in that position on a regular basis, like Steve Spagnuolo likes to do sometimes is not good for his development. When you watch that Titans game and you watch some of the other plays that Nick Bolton has made this season, you have a linebacker who is above average at coming downhill, playing the run. Use him that way, period. I'd also like them to see him them use him that way somewhat in the passing game. Have him drop to the sticks and crash downhill on the underneath routes. Yes. Don't. Don't expect him to turn and run with a guy over his shoulder like he's some second coming of, I don't know, pick your coverage linebacker. Yeah. I, I don't care which one. He, that's not his That's not his game mode. That's not what he does well. So, it, like Tom's main point is, and this is, we'll get to it on the secondary here in a second, I'm sure, they used him correctly. And that's it. Like, use them correctly. Use them in their veins and in their in their in their roles, and you're fine. And honestly, I would like to see him be blitzed more. If you're going to bring a blitzer mm-hmm. on downs where they're going to do passing things, because if you do that and you don't put 49 on the field, you don't have to worry about somebody else not being able to cover two. Mm-hmm. Yes, no doubt. Oh, I've got more sirens in the background. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that. They're coming for me, boys. Um, 
So something no, else I that just... we kind of saw, you know, transitioning to the secondary, you know, Charmarius mm-hmm. Ward obviously had a, a pretty decent game versus Devontae Adams. Uh, Legereus Sneed was also matched up against him quite often. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they both, between those two, had a really good game. We didn't see much of Fenton or really Hughes uh, or Baker even, uh, you know, name mentioned very much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Juan was out there for a lot of snaps. It seemed like they've kind of figured out their, their secondary rotation as of as of right now, I guess. Um, Dan Sorensen's getting less and less snaps as the weeks kind of progress, so that's a good thing. But uh, I was mm-hmm. really impressed just the way that, you know, we kind of held Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb had one big chunk play. Um, but other than that, he wasn't yeah. really a factor. So and that, that was, was basically off of a weird out route on the, and he just ran away from somebody on a weird transition yeah. cutback. Yeah. Outside of that, well, he wasn't Was that the one where really. Juan was really close to it? Like he almost had a hand on it. It was just like, it was just one of those plays where it was like, you know, it's a game of inches. So I wasn't too upset about that. I, I think the, the Green Bay offense just wasn't ready to run with Jordan Love. And I'm not saying that just to take away from the, the defense because the defense still showed up and played, right? They, you know, they had to do the same thing against other quarterbacks, you know, um, Daniel Jones and all that stuff. So, like, the, I'm, I'm just looking at the schedule and, man, like, I've seen it a couple times just in the on Twitter in the news cycle this week about how tough the Chiefs' schedule is the rest of the like season. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about the teams on the back half of the schedule, right? The Broncos twice, the Raiders, you know, the Raiders twice. Like their whole organization is a dumpster fire right fire right now. The Cowboys just just got spanked by the Broncos. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you play the Broncos. Bengals don't look, you know, too certain. The Steelers are kind of up and down. The whole yeah. AFC is an absolute crapshoot. Yeah, I'm not worried about the Steelers. No, we've already Honestly, seen the, Chargers. The, the toughest game left is probably the Chargers game, yeah. and then maybe the Bengals game behind that. So I, I think the Chargers game is probably the toughest because it comes off the short week on a Thursday. Yeah, well, and, and the, that's true. But it'll be interesting to see how the the Chiefs respond to that, right? Because the one thing that, and especially getting into the conference, you know, play or the division play, excuse me. The Chiefs have owned this division for the better part of the last almost 10 years now, right? Since Andy Reid came to town, he's I think he's still in single-digit losses within the, di- the division. If not, it's it's pretty close. I like, guess it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it, you know, the AFC West runs through Kansas City, and it has since Andy Reid's gotten to town pretty much. So I would say it's important to see how the team rebounds against – you know, the division opponents, the rest of the schedule, but I'm not worried. Like, you know, you, you beat up on these, um, I guess part of the, this point with the, with the Packers game is like, you wanted another big test, right? And the Packers were, you know, with Aaron Rodgers were a big test without Aaron Rodgers. It's, it felt like a preseason game. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you still wanted to win. Um, you're concerned about the offense. And I think we'll, we'll jump into that here in a second. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you know, as uh, the defense looked good, and I don't want to like it looked good, but they need to look good against a team that is better than the Jordan Love run. I want to see Sunday night. Yeah, Derek Carr over the last couple of years, as much as we bang on that dude, he's lit this defense up the last couple of years. Yes, I am curious to see if they can make Derek Carr uncomfortable on Sunday night. Because what do we know about Derek Carr? If he's not comfortable, he's not good. Yes. Plain, simple. Uh, I believe players have said it. I believe, like it, it's been discussed. If yeah. you make him uncomfortable, it's going to be a long day. 
And if this defense can go in on a Sunday night in a primetime game, first time Kansas City is in Vegas, in the Roomba, with fans in it. In the Roomba. I am curious to see what this defense looks like against them. Now, the Raiders are absolutely, as Tom mentioned, a giant mess at the moment. Um, we're not even going to go into all of that circus that has happened, but you, in the last month, coach, corner, and wide receiver all no longer with the team. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah they're, I mean, and again, maybe they surprise us. Maybe they, you know, figure it out, but. I would say that's so much, that's a lot of adversity to have to deal with in, in Las Vegas and, you know, never feel bad for the Raiders and always want to beat the snot out of them. But, um, you know, I just think human on a human element, and like you talk about Derek Carr, um, I do have a lot of respect for the thing, how he's handled such a tough season. Same. And um, tons, tons yeah. more than I had for him for a lot of years, mostly because I can't stand his brother and he makes it hard to respect that <laughs> whole family. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, his older brother is definitely his older brother. So, um, yeah, I just think that it's going to be an interesting rest of the season. And, and on the flip side of that, the Chiefs might be able to build some confidence and some momentum, hopefully heading into a, a postseason spot. Hopefully. So, and we'll get into the Raiders a bunch probably later in the week. Mm -hmm. I, we got to talk about this offense. Yes, we do. Do we have to? I, yeah. <laughs> There's not That's a whole a lot to talk about. It didn't look good. The offense was offensive and not it, in a good way. It, and this is, this hasn't happened other than that three week stretch in 19 when Mahomes was still kind of banged up coming off weird crap from that Colts game. Like, mm -hmm. this doesn't, this is not working right now. The drops, and, and they didn't turn the ball over, which is great. We've been begging for them to go a game without making it having a turnover, which yes. they did now. Kevin King dropped Fine. the pick. Yeah. But they don't look right. And as much as Mahomes is getting the he played like crap, eh, if you go back and actually watch a lot of that, other than he, he, he didn't play great, he didn't play elite, he didn't play that. He did not play bad. He got let down again by receivers and a normally extraordinarily hall of fame level, reliable tight end in a couple of different scenarios. Like mm -hmm. this offense needs to get back on track. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for five weeks, they were lights out and we have not seen it in a month. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I even argue that the first five weeks, they were a little shaky and then well, yeah, turnovers, the past, but outside yeah. of the turnovers, they outside, were, yeah, they were still yeah, exactly. But now it's just a point where, I mean, that game, we didn't even have a turnover. Well, actually, now, yeah, we didn't have a turnover, right? We didn't. No yeah. turnovers. I'll try to remember if uh, Meikle's drop was actually a turnover or not. That's why Tom was it. so happy with Tommy Townsend. He had <laughs> six punts, and five of them landed inside the 10, and the only one that didn't came from his goal line. Exactly. Yeah. And not to mention the Packers special teams, you know, had a I mean, a terrible day that the Chiefs special team unit definitely capitalized on. Alex Okafor with a blocked kick. Um, you know, a couple other big special teams plays. But, yeah, the offense, not much else to say about them, really. It's just they don't look in sync. We've we've talked about it multiple weeks that they don't look in sync. We saw, you know, the last play uh, of the game that everyone was talking about in the media. You know, the big conversion to, to ice the game by Mahomes. Everyone's saying, you know, that's the, the spark that uh you know potentially they need 
I don't know if I'm buying into it that that easily because you know we talked about that you know in the second half of the Washington game, you know the Eagles game. We said they might be back in their you know their mojo and they mm-hmm. they weren't. Like I don't know they they've given us some some little glimpses of of what the Chiefs have been, but uh, it just seems like they can't carry that momentum week after week. Yeah, I mean again they have to string it together and it just it doesn't. The offense doesn't look like they're having fun. No. And, and they're definitely out of sync, but it's it's at some point you also, and I think Andy Reid's talked about this, like when you have so many miscues, it's really easy to get in your own, own head, and it's really easy to get in your own head as a team collectively, you know, like, and you see it in the body language, you see it in, in how they respond to things. And, and that's part of the things that I just, I feel like as we've watched this team struggle, it's not the first time this team has struggled, right, or had down games. It's the first time it's, it feels like it's just drug on, like like they're stuck in that rut and they can't get out. And so, yeah, they need that game where they kind of bust out and really have fun again, you know? And, and I'm not saying it's, you know, I don't say that to make it sound like, um, you know, it's a like a, a kid's game or whatever, but you have to be able to relax, right? You, you play your best when you're not in your own head, right? And so you Even have to be... pressing for, what, six weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while. The, the, the reason that I'm more encouraged by that last play is this. It looked like he released a lot of the pressure and the stress and the tension that he has been feeling, finally. And also, I would really like to point out on that one, on that play specifically, I would encourage everyone to go watch what Jarek McKinnon did on that play. <laughs> please, please go watch what he did. That you're that's a running back and a not very big one for all intents and purposes. Um, that basically stonewalled. I don't know, I couldn't tell if it was a D end or a linebacker or whatever, but he damn near pancaked him on a pass block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his good yeah. rep for sure. And McKinnon will we'll bust some of those out here and there. What we also have seen is when Patrick does make a play like that and rolls out and makes that crazy, nobody else can really do that kind of throw, whatnot, this, that, and the other, his receiver caught it. They finished the play. It was a finished mm-hmm. product from the snap to when the receiver caught the ball and the, and the game ended. Yeah. That is something that they haven't put together routinely in weeks. And you saw the reaction from Patrick. You saw the reaction from Tyreek. It looks like they're starting to feel more comfortable. And if they get comfortable and this defense can be what we begged it to be, which is just not the worst thing we've ever seen, your worries about or your comments about them getting confidence and getting hot and going into the playoffs, there's not – I don't. I don't think there's much of a concern at that point. If if you can get those two things, we've been begging them to play a complete game all season. Yeah, yeah. They still have yet to. Have. I mean, what they once they uh, once they get that fire back in the offense. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah. game over. Like it's. I think, you know, it's just we're, especially winning two. You know, off of two game win streak, the AFC is still wide open. Like we're this is probably the best time to be having this kind of funk. You know, like the mm-hmm. entire team just not really performing well but we're entering a stretch here where we can really not only you know 
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details. You know, make a statement for us as a team, but also we're facing a lot of, uh, you know, AFC opponents that are going to be, you know, crucial for these playoff seedings. Like I think right now we're uh, eighth seed, if we were to, if it would be all seeded out, um, uh, it's kind of crazy to think about yeah. how yeah. tiebreakers. I mean, yeah, you talk about the expectations for the season. Like, you know, it's not nobody. Nobody here was expecting a perfect season, but yeah, but you know, you're in week nine and you just got above five hundred for the first time since yeah, what, exactly. week one. If you, you know, if you look at the schedule, you know, we got Raiders coming up twice, who are in front of us, the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Bengals, who are all ahead of us in the rankings. So, you know, upsetting a couple of those teams or all of those teams, all of a sudden we're, you know, up in that two, three, four seed area. And and that's a home game, which we weren't talking about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yes. Now, so I hope. don't think they have a shot at the one seed at this point because Tennessee's schedule is soft. Yeah, but they also, you know, I mean, they looked game, good that one that one game, but they still don't have Derrick Henry. So can I, they can they repeat this uh, the same success without they him? They handled TBD Buffalo, Kansas City, and just went into into the Rams after losing Derrick Henry and put it on Stafford and the Rams. Now the offense didn't look spectacular. The defense did a lot of their work for them, the but that defense, which was a much maligned unit that most people had low expectations for this year, has performed well above expectations. So you've got to give that Titans defense credit. Yeah, but I still think it's definitely it's still too early to crown anyone in the AFC, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. The AFCs, we were very worried about the beginning portion of where our season went because we just didn't feel like this AFC would be this wide open at this point if this first half went this way. And it's mm-hmm. still blatantly wide open. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Um, so this brings me to the part of what, what's the move for this offense and there's moves available. So what's the move for these off for this offense? Um, they activated Kyle Long or they didn't activate him. They designated Kyle Long to return to activities to potentially come off the pup list. Andrew, Mike, uh, now Rimmers has still been out with his back. Niang got the rib injury on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see where right tackle goes at this point because anywhere this is Mike Wiley. Kyle Long in for? Don't isn't want it? To be Andrew Wiley. Isn't yeah. it what you brought Kyle Long in for? Like yeah, he, theoretically, he, wherever so, you can get him to play and wherever you need him. But this is a guy who hasn't played football in what 25 months? No, he yeah. only missed a year and some change. 22 months, I think. So. But either way, I don't. I wouldn't count completely on him being a. Uh, a saving grace for the offense, but either way, I think no. But I think I'm taking Kyle Long over Andrew Wiley at right tackle. Absolutely, yeah. I would take there. There are some, 
yeah, not yet decomposed corpses that I would put at right tackle before. I, and that's nothing personal against Andrew Wiley. He's a guard, plain and simple, yes. and he's a backup guard. And I'm not even trying to knock Andrew, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Um. So this brings me to <clears throat> the fun topics for the day of Chiefs Twitter and every fan base's Twitter social media game. I think we kind of pretty much have to talk about the fact that Odell cleared waivers and that also Josh Reynolds is available on waivers now. Yeah, two guys that yes. a lot of Chiefs Kingdom is interested in. Josh Reynolds was a, a hot name in the in the offseason as a guy we could potentially sign. Brent Beach yeah, was I think, interested in Josh Reynolds. I think there was some legitimate interest there. I don't think that Josh Reynolds will clear waivers. He's the, he's going to be really cheap. He's yeah, a he's mid-tier really player that someone's going to want to pick up. Now, I also don't think Josh Reynolds does anything for us. I mean, optimistically, by the postseason, you see less of Demarcus Robinson and more of Josh Reynolds. That's where I'm at. optimistic, but I think that's extremely optimistic, to be honest. I don't even, I don't know, I don't see Josh Reynolds coming in and taking the D-Rob spot, at least, I mean, until the postseason at minimum. So the thing here becomes, we all know what the conversation is. Are you in or out? What do you want to explain the conversation? About? <laughs> what for? What? Go look I don't at any get my subject up. matter on anything for the last 24, 48 hours. What do we need to talk about? Where's Odell going? Are you okay with him here? Because nah. I've seen dissenting opinions inside the kingdom from multiple sources, multiple people that do this and cover this and talk about this team that some do want him and some don't want him. So where do we sit, boys? That's a tough one. Personally, for, for me, a couple I'll, go, of reasons. I'll go first for you, Tom, so you get a little more time to explain. Yeah, I'm, fine. Let me, let me I'm, very, I'm very fine with not signing Odell. I also highly doubt that he does sign here. Um, and if he does, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be a little bit excited for it, but I'm just not confident right now in this coaching staff. And as, as bad as that is to say about, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Andy Reid, uh, and a very, you know, promising rest of that coaching staff on the offense but i'm just very really not confident in this coaching staff right now to use odell in the right situations like i don't know it just seems like whatever offensively we're doing we're not figuring it out with anybody like is not, this because of the way the josh gordon thing is gone it's in part i mean and it's not there's definitely like obviously a lot different players odell and josh gordon but you know odell is has been hurt this season. So it's not like he's a hundred percent healthy. It's not like he's also had uh, great seasons the past two years in Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously, if you go to uh, his, his father's Twitter or his Instagram, you can see some of those reasons, but I'm just, I'm not fully sold that Odell is going to be anything more than just maybe a, uh, like a locker room boost, you know, and maybe that kind of motivates some of the, the younger guys to, to work harder and maybe get some things flowing offensively. But just for me personally, I'm not going to be heartbroken when Odell inevitably probably does not sign with the Chiefs. Kyle, what do you think? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going last. <laughs> no, Kyle, I don't. I'll give you this. Um, to quote Mike Tomlin, sometimes it's better to have volunteers than hostages. And, uh, I'll put it this way. I'm fairly certain Odell's been a hostage in Tomlin's uh, analogy there in Cleveland since the day the trade happened. 
he he did the sell job. He made the speeches. He did the stuff to be like, oh yeah, I'm here. Come to find out, there were reports he asked for a trade this offseason. They didn't do it. No, he and they acted blindsided by it when he wanted a trade at the deadline, which is just about how what I expect what I expect out of a Cleveland front office. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's layers to my answer here. All right. So stay with me. I personally cannot stand Odell Beckham Jr. as a person, as an athlete. And, and, and so let me let me rephrase it. as an athlete specifically, not necessarily. I don't know him as a person, right? Like we don't hang out and get drinks. That'd be cool. I'd probably ask him to pay off my student loans, but I don't hang out with millionaires. So um, if you're listening and you are one, hit me up. Anyways, um, I've never cared for his reputation and the things that you hear about him. I will say, generally speaking, his teammates seem to like him and, and that kind of thing, right? Like, so some of that is when you have a player who. And he's been in some pretty tough media markets. So, like, okay, that's my biggest, like, that's the top of the cake, right? Top level. You have an offense that's already out of sync. Are you going to bring this guy in? Is he going to cause more problems? You know, is he going to be a guy who's expecting to get the ball over Travis Kelsey and over Tyreek Hill? Or like, what are his expectations? And I think if you're Kansas City, you have to have that honest conversation with him before you bring him in. So that's that's the first one. Like, Odell's going to be, like, does he want to rehab his image? Yes, but he's going to be the third option on this offense still, right? He's going to play that Sammy Watkins role, but that also might be good for him to come in, make some plays and build his value up so he can go hit, hit the free agent market and, you know, go get his, go get his bag of money. So no distractions with an, with an already out of sync offense. That's your, like your basic concern, right? Your biggest concern because you can derail an offense that's already struggling even further. Um, so at the same time, we've seen before where players have come in as kind of this mercenary style player. Like, I just want to, like, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. You're the team that offers me the best chance to get playtime, get to a Super Bowl, and look good. Yeah, put a ring on it. Like, and, and you, you know, you can, you can make that work for half a season and a postseason. So, that's my biggest reservation off the top of my head, right off the top. Now, let's talk about how Odell has played in Cleveland. Odell is not the player that he was the first couple years in the league. He's older, he's dealt with some injuries, and he has not produced like he did when he was in New York. He has not produced when he was the superstar, you know, I think he was on the cover of Madden, like all this stuff, right? Like everybody knows the highlight real play. Like he has not been the same player. However, and this is, and again, like, like Garrett and Kyle talked about, like, it's, you can't avoid this conversation. Like it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's eye, eye, because there is talent there. There's a history of talent. What I've gathered from a couple different people who, who have talked, you know, about the situation, not necessarily Kansas city people, like, you know, national news people, people who are more familiar with Cleveland than, than what I am. Odell's style of play was very just in conflict with the Cleveland offense and with Baker Mayfield. The two things that were said about Odell that I heard that stood out were one, he likes to freestyle a little too much on his routes. And the second one was 
he wants to play downfield, right? He wants to be a downfield threat, and Baker Mayfield's not necessarily the guy who wants to heave it downfield every time. He's more of a quick timing, like wants to, you know, precision. Precision is his more of his game. Not saying he can't do those things, but he's, you know, he's a little, little more scrappy. Um, those were kind of things that, that were said. So stylistically, I hear that, and I hear, and I look at Kansas City's offense, and I see Patrick Mahomes, who is probably the best player in the league at playing out of structure, and who could use a little somebody other than Travis Kelsey, who can, you know, break off a route and and you know kind of read a defense and go, okay, this isn't working how we planned. I'm just going to run towards the quarterback, or I'm just going to find the soft spot and hope that Pat sees me. That would be beneficial. Is Patrick going to throw it deep? To Odell more than Pat or more than Baker Mayfield is, yes, <laughs> he's going to take those shots. I, so when I said that, you know, about the, I, I think it came more from a frustration of a lack of trust in, hey, Odell's down there somewhere, throw the ball up, and I think we've seen enough that that Pat is willing to take those chances, even when it's guys that he probably shouldn't be taking those chances on. Right, we, earlier in the season we talked about the whole, you know, oh, Tyreek's down there somewhere. Sometimes, you know, Pat's out there like. Oh, the fullback's down there somewhere, and he'll chuck it up. He is not afraid of if, – if he's got a guy down there and he wants to take the long shot, he's taking the long shot. So Literally Sunday because that's the one play everybody's been bitching about on Chiefs Twitter for the last 48 yeah. hours. You take the you take the shot, and that's that's okay. You've got to keep a defense honest anyways. So um, for, for better or worse. So stylistically, if you can bring this guy in, and he is not going to derail your offense and, and come in and you know cause drama and demand the ball 30 times a game or whatever. Whatever his kind of his reputation has been in other places. And again, I I'm I'm about as critical as him as of him as a athlete as you're gonna find. I I've never understood, and again, I'm not in these locker rooms, but I think that sometimes that that reputation is a little um maybe a little exaggerated, especially I mean, because you just want something to talk about, right? We live in uh, where it's constant news and here's this superstar player. And, and you have to also understand that Odell wasn't at the height of his like popularity. He was like one of the most popular athletes on the face of the planet. Who right? was he catching the ball from? Who was he catching the ball from? In, in New York before they traded him. Was that Eli? He sure was. Yeah. It's also the best quarterback he's played with. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there, there's you have to understand that the height of his popularity, like, and that there comes scrutiny with that. There comes life under the, the microphone. I mean, Odell was a guy like a couple years ago. I want to say this carefully. You know, when you talked about the most influential NFL athletes or professional athletes, like he was, I'd say he's in the top ten, comfortably, possibly top five, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's like the LeBron of you know, he was the LeBron. He was of a global deal. superstar. Global. He was an yes. icon. Yes, he was a name. big deal. And now you know, so some of that you just you get a lot of extra attention, right? That's why you have people who think LeBron James is a terrible person or whatever. You know, have strong opinions about him. Um, let's not get into LeBron. We're not going to do that. On this yeah, <laughs> I'll save that um, next time we talk to Chuck. Yeah. So we. You just have to take someone with a grain of salt, and if he can come in, do his job, and, and offer some of those things that are actually his strengths versus trying to, to pigeonhole him into a position that doesn't really work for him as a chain mover or whatever, a short yardage guy, then I think you're going to be happy with the results, and he's going to be happy, and it's a win-win. So 
should they go for it? And I think I've seen on Twitter now that there's been some conversations reportedly. Yeah, the Chiefs should absolutely like kick the tires pretty hard on this. Um, and it would be exciting to bring him in. I'll say that. From a talent perspective, from a upside potential perspective, it could be something that, that it could move the needle, right? If it works out, that's a move that could move the needle towards a championship for this team. Okay. So I wanted to go last specifically on this. This is why I asked, asked the question for a couple things. And Tom brought up several of the things that I thought he was going to, which is part of the reason I wanted him to go first. And Garrett mentioned the other stuff. So it's like we do this sometimes occasionally on purpose. Um, the image conversation and the perception of how he is as a teammate conversation. If you listen to his teammates and not the New York Post's beat writer, <laughs> and I'm just pulling that publication because it's the quickest one I could come up with out of the New York media market, but <laughs> you get my point. Um, there's a drastic difference between how the media talks about him as a teammate and how his teammates talk about him as a teammate. So if I'm going to take the words of someone on that man's character, I'm probably going to take the guys in the locker room's opinion over the guy writing his story's opinion. And that's not a knock on the guys that do the story work and the journalism and the whatnot. But in New York, especially, you need headlines. You need stories. You need content, so to speak. <laughs> Everywhere he's left, his teammates have been pissed he's gone. Go look at what Jarvis had to say when they let him go. Go look at what Miles Garrett had to say when they let him go. Matter of fact, go look at what the Giants players said about him when they let him go. He is a first guy in, last guy out, works his ass off mentality in that locker room. He is not a teammate problem unless... Your <clears throat> name is Baker Mayfield, which eh, if we're going to talk about not very great teammate guys and some scenarios and some things that have come out about some people's character, we could we could hash those out, too. Definitely a personality, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So um, from that perspective, he feels like he fits very comfortably in this locker room. Also, I would like to point out there's a certain LSU connection with. Uh, a certain guy that wears 32 for the defense, who he actually played with at LSU. Um, there's also a guy that wears 25 and 31 that plays for this team that are alma mater of LSU. Um, there's some connections there from that level. Also, when you talk global sports icons, usually those dudes know each other. <laughs> well, what exactly would 15 be at the quarterback position for us? I think we're fairly comfortable in saying the face of the NFL is a global sports icon, right? I think so. Fairly certain they've had been around each other. Uh, he was on, what did you, you said LeBron's name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who was on the shop? Oh, yeah, both of them have been on the shop. So if they know the same dudes and they run in the same circles, it's safe to assume they know one another. Also, Travis has a relationship <clears throat> with Odell because where has Odell spent the last couple of seasons? Cleveland. Oh, that's right, Cleveland. Where's Travis from? Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So from that perspective, while I get your concerns from that front, I think that I would lean towards the other uh, individuals sharing their stories about him than the necessary conversations you've heard from a media, a quarterback who can't throw him the football, as the Instagram video Garrett might have mentioned, might display, and a head coach who has to balance egos with the player he's keeping versus the player he's not getting to keep. So um, stylistically, I agree with you. He did not fit in Cleveland because that's a run-heavy dink and dunk because Baker can't throw the deep ball very well offense. Um, they function on a script because Baker, everybody's like, oh, I can't figure out why Baker plays so much better when Odell's not on the field. Uh, well, because he's throwing to dudes that aren't worried about doing anything other than running the three-step curl route that they were told they had to run. <laughs> um, it, it is what it is, but if you're going to go situationally and stylistically after a guy – this fits and also what it does. And he's been getting hammered on. And I'm going to go with our friend, Jeff Allen, Mr. Jester Domus on this. He tweeted what a couple hours ago. <clears throat> Odell is a number one wide receiver. Y'all tripping. <laughs> if I got that quote, right. I, I might've missed a, missed a word or two, but I'm pretty sure that was the, almost the entirety of the tweet. I'm not, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Um, if you can bring Odell Beckham jr into this offense and you can now run out Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Odell Beckham Jr. and Josh Gordon, you tell me who you're covering to on on a double team. Because <laughs> as much as we haven't seen Josh do a ton yet, I think teams are still paying attention to him when he's on the field because they know he's getting the ball. Yeah. If he's on the field, he's probably getting the football, right? If you're willing to run those four, and this isn't, look, man, I like Byron, I like D-Rob, I like McColl, and I've been one of the bigger McColl defenders for a long time. However, if you can upgrade that significantly at the position, you absolutely do it. It's not even a thought. Yeah. Now, does he make that decision? Does he come here? We've heard Seattle. We've heard Green Bay. I've heard New England. I've heard, matter of fact, I think Maddie, Maddie Lane, chief in Carolina from over Casey Sports Network, he, we're not even in the betting favorites for where Odell lands. Mm -hmm. That's great, honestly, because every time we seem to be in the betting favorites for where somebody <laughs> lands, we don't freaking land them. Yeah. I think it's going to be a tough one. For I, I, me, yeah. for me, if you're going to go out and add a guy that you – like, cause they they're looking to add a piece. They've been looking since the off season. That's why they tried yeah. Juju. That's why they tried Josh Reynolds. Like, if you're gonna go look out and add a piece, and I know he's a rental. Guess what? If he's sincere about I want to go to a contender and I want a chance to win a ring, and you have an opportunity to add that to your offense, you take it. And it's not even a thought process. Um. I'm curious to see what Odell's decision becomes because also what else it could do. You're talking about his image mm -hmm. playing next to another global icon in an offense where you two can be a talking point and a headline on every news story and every tabloid, N New York, Tokyo, mm -hmm. LA, Dallas, Montreal, like pick your big city. <laughs> In any country, yeah. these two dudes in a headline together draw eyeballs. 
And if yeah. they come in to, and he comes in here and wins and they do it as a group and he does what you said and is, I, I don't think he's going to walk in here with the expectation that he's taking targets away from <laughs> Travis and from Tyreek. Mm -hmm. You know whose targets he's taking away? Demarcus and Byron and Cole to a lot of an extent. And you know what? Okay. Because all three of those dudes have had ups and then they've had downs and i'm not talking like oh he kind of had a down game i'm talking like drove through the grand canyon in the bottom of the valley down so i was surprised that you said you like demarcus robinson but continue. I, was, I was being nice uh, well uh, d rob is a fine individual i'm sure as a person his football um iq awareness and decision making has improved after dave tobe called him on the mat like week three but it still drives me bonkers half the time so um, again, it, and I would also encourage everybody that says he hasn't been the same since his injuries. I, I go back to what I said about when Garrett mentioned, um, him being in Cleveland and I, and I referenced the Tomlin hostages versus volunteers. You're a lot more likely to play a, through a little Nick or a scrape or a bang up or a this or that. If you actually want to be there and want to be in the building and want mm -hmm. to do this stuff. And I'm not telling you that I think Odell was like making up injuries, but if you get banged up and nicked up and you really don't care that to be there because, you know, the quarterback seems to not want to include you in the offense and not want to be around. Like when he feels almost like you're threatening his ego, which I feels like some of that has to do with is that was my team and I was the superstar and you came in and stole it from me and I'm going to be 10 years old about it. Well, that sucks. But I'll tell him a secret. Nick Chubb's a bigger star than he is right now, too. Um, so for me, and that's the other part about this locker room, you're not going to be the alpha in that locker room. I don't care who you think you are. There are <laughs> alphas in that locker room. Yeah. And you're talking about rebuilding an image. Can you go into a locker room with an established culture, with an established set of leadership and play your role? If you can do that and you can do it well, Free agency is a wide open ball game next year when teams have money to pay you. And hell, they might try to pay you. <laughs> it's all good points. I don't disagree. I think it's all good in theory. In theory. Theoretically, now let's Odell see what signs happens. here. And theoretically, if. Uh, you, you know, the second we get off this podcast, it's going to be announced that he signed with the. Jacksonville Jaguars or something crazy that no one's talking about, right? Probably. <laughs> Probably. No, that's just kind of how this shit works. But, like, at the same time, we'd be remiss not to discuss it. So Correct. So. Yeah. Well, is there anything else we need to, need to kind of cover for this week? If they don't get Odell and if they have the opportunity to either place the waiver claim or claim or pick him up afterwards, I'm good with taking Josh Reynolds in the same kind of scenario and you don't have to pay him near as much. And you may be able to keep him next year for hardly anything because you tried to get him this year and then you get to show him the culture in the locker room. And then maybe he's willing to sign that deal. Great. Josh Reynolds would not be a bad consolation prize. Yeah. Now, not an insult to Josh, but there's levels to this. As Tom said in his answer, it'd be a very, it'd definitely be a consolation prize. <laughs> again there's levels to this yeah but i guess that'll about do it for us here uh we will be back later this week to uh, talk about the vegas game 
Uh, it's Raiders it's week. Full previews of that. Yeah, it is Raiders. Raiders week. One of the one of the most fun weeks of of every NFL season for Chiefs fans. Um, so. Look forward to that. We'll be back with you. Be sure to follow us at Kingdom Says Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, we will talk to you guys later this week. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.